Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morna, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? A bit frustrated, you know, expected a bit more from the guys at Old Trafford. Yeah, you know, our first Monday night uh, match of the season. Uh, you know, expected. I actually expected the Arsenal onslaught, but, you know, it was anything but that, because all of a sudden, uh, people like Pogba, people like Rashford made miraculous uh, you know, uh, recoveries from the injuries. I mean, in a way, I think by the Thursday, I actually realized this is a bit more mind games by Solskjaer. I mean, the only thing I was surprised about was that uh, one, uh, Bissaka, because I was expecting, because I think we would have actually had a tougher time if he had not been in on the right back uh, position. Yeah, you would have pushed Kolasinac way, way, way further back. With Kolasinac, he's a type to not track back. And if he didn't track back with one Bissaka, Arsenal, like you said, could have been in way more... Trouble. It just the, the the team baffled me because the 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 selection of having was like three kind of defensive midfielders for me through the game of balance, but for Arsenal against a United side that's been struggling and lacking confidence. My gripe is now we're seeing what happens now due to the fact of Emre making Xhaka captain. He's forced to play him, and we're sitting with the situation now. But I mean, uh, you know, go, when you see a team, if you just think of the way Man United played against West Ham the week before, um, I was expecting, you know, us to give almost like a, a kind of full onslaught on the game. But, you know, as you now mentioned, with that three holding midfielders and not one creative player on the pitch, I think, uh, look, it was only Sebeos as a playmaker on the on the bench. But I mean, it already set up the store for kind of negative football. And, um, you know... As much as a person tried to criticise and that, but I mean, for me, it was almost like watching a Mourinho version of football. The way he used to set up his team, whether it was at Chelsea or whether it was at, at Man United. I expected but, but at least uh, Mourinho's side probably would have ended up, you know, getting all three points because he he, he had a, he has a plan, and it just looks like Arsenal don't have a plan anymore. I know Emre had a plan against Liverpool. But we we stuck we stuck with a coach right now who doesn't know his best starting eleven. He he just doesn't know who it is. But I mean, you know, um, what? How do I just explain it? You know, for me, with this game already, when we did the podcast the the Saturday or the Friday, um, I you know as much as I was trying to be upbeat about it. You, you know, the more the days wore on, the more uncomfortable I started feeling with you know, that. that sense of what could happen and that and you know it was eventually like that we we ended up almost like uh, just being knocked on the ropes by united watching that was quite shocking seeing how united were all of a sudden dominating a game i don't think they dominated as much since chelsea but now when they came up against us they looked like the, you know, the, let's just say inverted commas, the old man United that came up against a shell shock arsenal as always. But I mean, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's old rivalry or whatever, but, or the history of, of this fixture. But it's always like they can have an injury crisis, they can have people suspended. The minute they face us, they play that brand of football that's always, you know, knocked the wind out of ourselves. Because I mean, it was again that type of performance where when you looked at it, team, you know, if you put the team head-to-head, you would have thought, you know, this is probably a game where Arsenal can win by, you know, quite a few goals. But, I mean, that being said, you know, all props to Solskjaer for, you know, firing the lads up, their lads up before the game. 
It's like the Arsenal guys aren't motivated enough. I mean, if uh, if if back go maybe go back a few seasons, you would have given Arsenal this United side, and I thought maybe you know we could have smashed them or or get the job done or all three points. But it's like these guys were lacklusters. I mean, Gwen Dozy again for me, you know, trying his hardest in the team. And and for me, the captain of Arsenal, Granit Xhaka, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, how is he inspiring the team? I may be being wrong. Maybe anybody else can tell me how I'm seeing it. But I just don't see what he's adding right now. Yeah, but I mean, look, the game then, you know, of course, we the full swing. It was very, you know, quite tight in the beginning. But I mean, then it got to a point where in the 28th minute where Pereira then just got the ball on the halfway line. Waltz pass, I think, when those who tried to, I think, haul him back twice. Yes, yes. And this is also something that I want to also touch on quickly. Who is actually teaching these guys to <laughs> have to do that, that, that recovery tackles? Because, I don't know, I've, in that game alone, I've seen a guy sidestep Xhaka and burst forward. And Xhaka tries twice to pull on the, the you know, to pull the guy back when the guy was eventually too fast. And we saw Wendozi do that. And I mean, Pereira just waltzed past him, went again through the, you know, our defense like a knife through button. I think it was just great reactions by Leno that stopped, you know, a, a, a low drive by Pereira, which kept the scores at normal. Do you notice something with that? I don't know if it's not because of we don't have a proper defensive midfielder or, or something. I don't know what's going on there. But we get caught in that situation all the time. Remember with, with the goal of... I mean, with a penalty again of Watford. It also was a case of the guys who had the freedom to run and run and players are backing off and backing off and backing off. Eventually, David Lewis sticks his foot out, gives away a penalty. A similar situation now. Players are backing off, backing off, backing off, backing off. He gets in, and then he gets his shot away. And then I'm in 29th minute. A great ball by Saka to uh, Pepe, and I thought, you know, I really expected, you know, somebody that's now been so hard shot in Liga to, you know, have a cooler head. And I mean, he ends up, instead of taking the ball on with time on his hands, he just first time shoots the ball way up into the stands, rugby style. <laughs> um, Roy Keane actually said in this game, you would say Saka looked like the 73 million player compared to Pepe. Because Pepe doesn't seem to, like... I thought Aston Villa would have maybe um, let him hit the ground running, but it seems he's still struggling very much in this league. I mean, um, you can say a guy needs to adapt to the conditions, but I mean, getting the ball like that, he had time to stop the ball, look up and curl it in. Yeah, and then I mean, uh, a few minutes later, sorry, 43rd minute, Saka then, you know, on a quick counter from Arsenal, gets the ball on the halfway line, you know, sprints goalwards, and I really thought to myself, you know, we... You know, is there any support? Because, I mean, you could see at first, you know, you had the speed, but I mean, the, the way they're United, you know, give props also to them at the back. They then, you know, managed to catch up to him, like I think two of them. And then, you know, managed, managed to fire a shot off. But I mean, I was expecting, you know, say somebody like a Pepe or Aubameyang to be just somewhere in support. Because you could see at, as he was running towards the United goal, he was like looking left and right for some sort of support. But I mean, there was nothing coming. So, look, of course, he went on his own. You know, forced uh, De Gea into a quite a good save, and I mean, with a rebound, I think Guedes just managed to come back into the United box. But I mean, he fired from an acute angle, which uh, De Gea pushed for a corner. So it was still, you know, no, no. But I mean, now we're coming already into that 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 shaky moments for Arsenal in the last few minutes of the game. Well, um, can you tell me what 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 are Arsenal doing at training with the corners? 
do they do they practice corners because I I don't know what what's happening with the corners. It's it's, it's actually shocking. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't beat the first man. We have thirteen to fourteen corners sometimes, and nothing gets converted. Like, and we all know what happens from this corner, and we know what happens in this time frame, game after game after game. I don't know if Emre picks it up, but we always concede just before halftime. Yeah, and I mean. It was very, it was like casual defending. Nobody's really picking up even the runners because the amount of space, you know, when they decided to break on us. When, I don't know, the cross came on from the right. I don't know if it was, was no, it wasn't McTominay. Who was it? One on the right. James. James. You know, a dazzling run that he went on. It's the ball past Leno and the defense overruns uh, Rashford. Rashford, of course, gets time to almost like waltz around. And then he, he manages to cut the ball back. And, I mean, McTominay just stops the ball, like, dead. Looks up, sees the keeper. Uh, Socrates already throws himself to the ground. And, I mean, McTominay picks his spot, which leaves uh, Leno motion, uh, you know, motionless. But, I mean, what also kind of annoyed me to everything, and, I mean, we were going now 1-0 down. You know, a better positioning by our players... Could have also like stopped that goal because I mean, look, Leno's already trying to just get himself, you know, balanced in the middle of the goal. And I mean, if if you got Socrates trying to charge a ball down and you know charging in a weird way because I mean, the, for me, the whole position of his body was so weird. And then when the ball gets flicked up, I mean, yes, Jaka standing there, and I mean, at times it did look like he was ducking, but I mean, I would have rather said, look, you know, keep yourself upright. You're not going to really do much if you're just going to put your forehead down like it. <laughs> but I mean, instead of just standing upright and taking, say, one step to his right, I believe that's where the ball eventually landed. And, you know, take the shot or, you know, somehow just stand upright and get as much of the body, you know, the, the, to block the ball. But I mean, it, it caused nothing because, I mean, it just ended up deflecting off Socrates, curling around Xhaka uh, and, I mean, leaving our keeper flat-footed. one all United going into halftime. At that point, I, could, I thought we were going to lose the game because we just didn't seem like we were up for it. United were there for the scrap, for the fight. And, you know, watching this game as well, I was thinking, have we gone back this far behind compared to, you call it Liverpool, Man City? Have we just gone five steps back? You're watching this Arsenal side play, and you're like, is this Arsenal actually? Because, I mean, every time we... we like. I think we're actually getting more to us. It's the fact that, and I mean, I can speak now for myself, and I mean, I'm sure I can speak for you as well. Where we've we used to all those excuses because every time we 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 see a, like a, a screw up of the team, and then in the media you hear, you know, we're gonna correct the wrongs, we're gonna, um, you know, you're gonna see better of us. We're gonna, or as you know, said with that with Pepe, I really expected that goal being a morale booster against Villa. So you know, you're gonna take that sort of mentality or that form and you're going to take it into the the um, league game against United but you, you didn't see anything like that or with, with Jaka also then when it, when it became public that he's going to become skipper you expect something you know a bit more fire or something I'm not talking of fire where you're just randomly tripping people <laughs> and putting people back no man he must have lost his keys when he when he ducked under that uh, shot looking for his keys that made him a so-called leader in his household as a youngster. 
But, I mean, a captain doesn't do that. I mean, a captain takes the ball to the face. I mean, how much time have you seen John Terry and, and Tony Adams? You know, these guys are, are, are standing there firm to, to, to take one for the team. But, I mean, it says a lot when your captain ducks underneath the ball like that. Yeah. So, you know, going to halftime, a goal down. Uh, you know, expect was now, um, change was now expected going to the second half. But, I mean, of course, nothing happened in the first, you know, after the break. But, I mean, in the 51st minute, Terreira then, you know, miscued a shot, which was, I mean, you could see, again, well, I think that you were, po- uh, or that, that, that um, remark you posed uh, last week also, why is our holding midfielder playing <laughs> as a number 10 again? They get in <laughs> goal-scoring positions. And I mean, as, as the commentator said on the night, if it was now a striker or attacking midfielder, they would have now known how to position their body and fire that, that ball on, on target. Because I mean, it was, a, it was really a clear-cut uh, you know, chance that we carved out. But he ends up you know, just fluffing it completely. And then in the 55th, 55th minute, then uh, I think Emery then you know started seeing, okay, look, I'm gonna have to now play my end now, yeah, because I mean, of course, we were almost like stunted with everything because nothing was really flowing football-wise with the team. So you know, something creative need, was needed. So and I mean, with with Ozil not even in the squad, I mean, Ceballos was now the you know the SOS man that they needed. And, and and shortly after him make his introduction into the field, we we get on level terms with with Saka, who, who seemed for me a guy that's destined for the first team. And I mean, he should be playing, I think, ahead of Pepe when Lacazette's back, gliding a ball to to Aubameyang, and Aubameyang coolly finishing the ball. Referee giving it offside, and I thought, oh man, VAR, please do something and. Rightly so. But I mean, what I enjoyed of that moment, not just now the VAR and seeing our United fans go from joy to sadness in a few seconds, um, was just the fact that uh, that sucker, look, everybody was kind of asleep to that whole thing happening because, look, United were, like, you know, attempting to play for the offside uh, trap. And I mean, it was it ended up with, with that official getting it so wrong you know, with Maguire playing Aubameyang onside. But, I mean, just also the coolness of Saka to, you know, and I think that also with the offside trap of United or attempted offside trap, I should say, that also, you know, helped um, Aubameyang because it almost like made the goalkeeper doubt himself. The defence really almost like stood frozen. Like, didn't know whether they must not go for the tackle since they were playing enough ball for the offside. And, I mean, it almost like gave Aubameyang also that, that opportunity. But, I mean, it was also a fantastic finish because... For, to see a right footer scoring a left footer dink was fantastic. So one one. And it was quite a poor decision by the linesman as well to give it offside. I mean, he was unless he, uh, somehow Maguire obscured his vision, but I mean he was right there to see that Maguire was clearly playing a Bamiang onside. Yeah, but I mean you've also played linesman already. I'm showing sure games. You always know you have to track the last defender of the of the team that that are off at your own. So, I mean, the way he got that wrong, because, in a way, he's standing almost like in line with Maguire. But exactly. He's, he's still calling Aubameyang also. But, okay, 1-1. One, one, but, I mean, then it came, and it was a kind of change in the in the game where Arsenal and I had more the tails up. Because, I mean, I think 59 minutes, it was also a miss from Saka where yeah. he, he bags it. But I think he, like, he just wanted to, 
you know, do one of those net busters from close range. But, I mean, he got it so wrong and it, it plays over the bar. Chambers did quite well to get that cross in. Uh, like, I really, like, Chambers gives me some solidarity at the back, a bit better than Ainsley Maitland-Niles, to be honest. Yeah. And then 64th minute, then Pogba, you know, just missed, you know, also like a heart-in-mouth moment for me. Because at one point you did see, you know, Leno kind of scrambling to get across his goal line. But, I mean, the ball just missed the post. And then, you know, McTominay, again, Arsenal defending at corners, shocking. <laughs> you know, the ball ends up going over everybody. David Luiz jumps under the ball, I believe. And then the ball lands on McTominay's head, but he just, you know, he's totally in an awkward position and he just head, plays the head over the ball. I, I ask myself, I mean, like, what, how did they defend corners in training? Do they practice it or is it just a free-for-all? Because surely... I mean, they, they like to stick to the zonal marking. Personally, I like man-to-man. It kind of allows responsibility to see where the mistake happens. But, like, the, the same thing happens over and over and over. And Wenger left. We were struggling with corners. We are still struggling with corners. You know what? What uh, I find the most worrying like, of all like, the players that we have. Look, okay, we, we know where the, the question mark lies with... Um, Socrates and with um, David Luiz and of course sometimes with Mustafi when he plays not like recently but we all know what Mustafi has done but one guy that's the most unaware player besides if you talk of Xhaka in midfield is Kolasinac I've never seen a guy allow so many things happen around him where he's totally oblivious to like I've seen people do overlap runs behind his back and he's totally he does not know what's going on you saw what happened also against Villa where with that first goal of Aston Villa, I do blame him because he's, he kind of sees everything like in, in panoramic view when that guy, <laughs> you know, darts behind um, Gwendozi. I mean, of course, Gwendozi should have been a bit more alert, but I mean, it's also down to you as one of the senior players also in defence. Give a shout, say something that the, something's happened because at that moment, I think if you even or ever look at that goal again, David Luiz, Socrates, they watching that ball come in from, was it El Ghazi? And then, of course, that uh, McGinn is darting in from the back. And, I mean, he's just standing in stare. Like, I think, I, I'm not sure if he, if Colosino is just pointing, but he's not saying anything. You don't see any moon from his mouth or anything. And I'm just thinking, I mean, this guy is every time. And that was also with this United game. There were numerous times with it, I think, so midway in the first half and quite a few times in the second half where he kept on losing the player. It, 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 I'm so glad TNE will hopefully be making a, a way back into this Arsenal side because we sorely need him. Yeah, and I mean, I just uh, <clears throat> I saw a day ago the Scotland manager said Arsenal have asked to have TNE withdrawn, but now the, the one worry I do have is um, I saw him training the last few days now for Arsenal uh, TNE, and he was talking that he's going to play. So like for tonight's game against uh, Standard Liège. But I'm just worried now because you, know, you also don't want to have that with the draw. You have the drama between club and uh, national team. So, because look, I think if, if, if it's almost like where they say he can't play for, for Scotland, then you're probably going to ask, look, then why is he playing for his club? You know, if they ask to have him withdrawn. So, you know, I just hope that's not that type of, you know, thin ice thing we're on with, with uh, FIFA. Is, is this the last round of fixtures before we go back to the international break? Yeah, we have now the Liege game, which we'll not just touch on a bit, and then, of course, the 
kind of just born with the weekend and then it's like two week break again. Oh man. But before I get like, you know, we'd be around of this game, yeah. I just want to say like, even if Arsenal had to score a winner, I don't think I would have had the, the, the game drained me so much and the way we were playing disappointed me so much that I think if we had scored a winner, I would never have had that oomph, you know. I'm someone that if Arsenal scores a goal, I go berserk and I go crazy. But it's like at the moment when we played against United and even if we had to win, it just wouldn't have felt satisfying. Yeah, because I mean, it's gotten now to a point where, you know, when they have all these sets popping up like that, that thing about winning away at the top 60, when they showed how many years it's been. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a kick in the teeth and... For me by now, since it's been also so long, it, it almost like feels whenever, look, yes, it's a draw against United, and that, but when you see so the quality or lack thereof of, of the United squad, and we came away there with a draw, it, it feels like a loss. Yeah, and it just seems our waveform just can't get going. Yes, I know we played Liverpool in one of our away fixtures and United away from home. But I mean, Watford haven't won a game this season, if I'm not mistaken. But we went to go and throw a two-goal leader against him away from home. Yeah. So uh, this goes this to show doesn't... the negativity of the manager. I think this is also where Emery needs to, you know, take partial blame for this because he's at times it's not like the blend that he's setting up. But I don't know, it's just not right. We, you know, in the in certain games we can see okay, this team is kind of fearing us, so we can go a bit more adventurous. And then you get games like say with Liverpool. We should now be a bit more conservative. We ended up almost like opening us up or having the team play a sort of football that just opened us up. Also with, with Watford, when the, when Watford picked up also that time when we were scared of the, the this little back passes or the goal kicks and that, it ended up being where that forced us into errors and every time we are being forced into it. You know, since we're not forcing our authority or our personality as a team, Onto the other, uh, onto our opponent. So it's not like it's causing all this type of pressure on us now. And we're not sure. Can, can I ask you a question? What is our personality actually under Emre? I don't know. Because we, don't know, we don't know. Like Wenger, you know, we played attractive football, kind of attacking, passing, like, you know, passing football position game. But I don't know what Emre's personality as a coach, or what is Arsenal's identity. We don't have one. Because, I mean, for me, sometimes at home, and you can also pick it up with a crowd. I'm not saying the fans are always right. In the in the ground and then, but I mean when you when you home and you're playing say a team that's uh, say bottom quarter of the league, you try to go out and you you know play you maybe have say one holding mid that's always going to do your protection and then, but you go out and you play and you try to play them totally off the pockets. I mean it's your stomping grounds, your your pitch. You have to dominate and dictate, not have you know team sucker punch you at random. You can't do that, and I mean that is where. Uh, you know why I'm worried. I'm not going to be now that all oh Emery out bandwagon and that. But my thing is just you know kind of show why Raul Sanin and the club or the board of executives you know wanted you as a manager. Show why because I mean what he's showing at the moment is uh, you know the way when, when when Mourinho left Chelsea after the success and then he went you know to Inter had success and then he went to Madrid and had a little bit of success. But I mean, I'm like with the minute he came back to the English game, he became almost like overly cautious, and that is what I see with 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 Emery. It's not like he does not want to miss, he doesn't want to make a mistake, but he also doesn't want to sacrifice something. So, you know, you're on a on a 
pendulum that it's almost like not really swinging. It's just in the middle. It doesn't know what it wants to do. The, the problem is, um, like my last thing about this before we go on to you know the the Europa League tie. But the problem comes down to is Torreira was our best defensive midfielder last season for me by like no comparison to anyone. Then you have Guendouzi now, who's playing top quality football. So for me, Torreira and Guendouzi should be playing together. But now you have to shoo on Shaka into the team because he's the captain. So now you have three midfielders who are not like combining well with each other, and you 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 forced to have a defensive structure unless you drop Torreira, and that could eventually lead um, lead to him possibly you know wanting to exit the club for lack of game time. And I mean, we're also now in a situation where. Look, Emery clearly now shown he does not want Ozil, you know, in his plans anyway. So it's only like now you also have that issue also to to with it, keeping Ozil out of the side, and and then of course you just got Sebayos, but I mean at the moment it's still just a loan deal. So how does he go, you know, from there? Because you can't just throw everything say on somebody like Willock or whatever. No, you can't. I mean Ozil, I mean he's not a bad player. Yes, he needs to pick up his work rate. Right? But if you protect him, I know it sounds bad, but if you can protect him with two, like a, like almost like if you added a Kore and a Kapui, I know they're not, I know Watford is struggling, but if you had those two guys kind of behind Uzel or those mole type of players, then Uzel can do his thing as a, as a, you know, attacking mid. Because I mean, the, the, the best that Mourinho used to get out of Uzel back in the day was having, you know, Sammy Kadira almost like shielding him at the back. You know, allowing him to do that, you know, let him play that free role and let him, you know, cause damage. Because, look, I'm not, I can tell you that I'm not the biggest Ozil fan. But it also does not help if you're lacking creativity and you completely omit this guy and you're not really giving, say, Sebayos even more game time that he needs. Because I think Sebayos is also somebody that, that he could do damage, but give him more time to, to play. Don't just give him, like, say, 25 or 20 minute cameo roles. Don't work either. They should use Sebayos almost like uh, like the Ramsey at times. We know when Lacazette and and Abameng almost opened up and played a bit wider, and then like against Spurs in the North London derby at Wembley, where Ramsey was always getting in the or was it at the Emirates where Ramsey was getting in that gap all the time because the the two strikers were almost pulling the defense away from each other. But that being said, I think you know tonight's game against the standard East side who. We've done quite well in the um, Belgian league at the moment. And second, I also check these stats because I mean, at the moment, you know, goals are also not that uh, tough for them to score because I mean they on quite a hot streak at the moment. I mean they haven't lost since first uh, of September, and I mean they the top players like to keep an eye on if they play now tonight. There's the um, Poco, is a right winger, and then you have that uh, Lestien. I think we saw him in one of the games last season or something like that. Where his name also came in, and he's like one of the left wingers, also quite creative. Uh, and then, of course, they have uh, Bastien, who's there, like in the heart of the midfield. Um, goals for them, Lestien is almost like the goal scorer, like a winger, almost like their version of Pepe that they have. And, um, you know, they tough team to break down because I think defensively they're quite, they're quite solid. So, it's gonna, you know, take hard work to get uh, to, to break through to them. It's going to be interesting to see that the type of side Emre is going to bring to the fore tonight. Is he going to, you know, go mix and match or is he going to rest the likes of Saka maybe? But I, I can tell you one thing and 
I hope I don't jinx it, but I think we're gonna play a much smoother game without Jaka if, if Jaka is not starting. Let's see. I mean, that, I mean, either way, it will be interesting to see because it's our back-to-back home games. Um, after the Liege game, we uh, welcome uh, Bournemouth to the Emirates. Uh, Bournemouth also not having that bad of a season. I mean, at times they are a bit inconsistent, but I mean they've you know got quite a few wins under the belt also. Really. And they, they, they like um, Bournemouth always gives us a, a tricky tie at the Emirates. We always we always get the job done, but it's never a smooth sailing game, especially the way Eddie Howe plays. He's a very attacking manager. And I feel if Arsenal's going to come with this defensive mindset against Bournemouth, I, we could be in trouble. I'm not saying we're going to lose, but we could very much be in trouble if we go there with a negative mindset. If we go there, play our game and try to knock them off the park, we could get the result, but if we're going to go conservative again, I, I, I fear long 90 minutes again. Yeah, but I mean, at the moment, look, with Bournemouth, eighth place, uh, they're also playing a very open, almost like too open uh, brand of football. And it's almost like catching them also kind of out. Because if you look at our record, like goals for goals against, it's just almost like the same as, as Bournemouth. Bournemouth got 13 goals for 12 against. So, you know, they're shipping as much as they're scoring. So, and I mean, Callum Wilson is still banging in the goals for them. Arsenal need to press home their advantage now because we've, we've come to a point where Spurs, I think, will eventually turn the corner. Chelsea, I think, are slowly starting to adjust to Lampard. Okay, United, I'm not sure so much about them, but Arsenal need to press home their advantage. If we don't, we have the most settled team, I think. I mean, Spurs are having a lot of infighting as well. Mm. But if, if we can take advantage, I mean, we can build a gap before you know it. Those other guys must still play City. I know we must play City still, but they must play Liverpool and all that. So we need to really presume this advantage now. If not, another season without Champions League football. I don't want to speak too far ahead, but that could be Emirates' head on the line. Because, um, you know, what frustrates me with, with seeing the scenario play out, it, it's the same point you brought up some weeks back, was that, uh, Leicester City when they won the Premier League where it was also in our hands to you know challenge them for that title and I mean we ended up you know almost like giving them almost like gifting them that because that was almost like the time where Liverpool were trying to get themselves into some sort of uh, consistency Man City were having an off, off period United were not, weren't really you know challenges and that so it was you know down to us to try to make something of it but I mean we ended up just you know, making a big balls up of everything. And I mean, we literally, we literally bottled it that season. I mean, coming down to um, losing to a, a under, under, under strength United side where Marcus Rashford actually made a Premier League debut, and then losing two one to Swansea at the Emirates Stadium. Wasn't that also that, that season where, <coughs> excuse me, where we also threw it away against uh, Watford, which was also like a given game to win. No, that, that, that we, we that was in the FA Cup when we lost two one to them in the league. I think that season we beat them four 0 or something like that. But the that was there was games that season where Arsenal just capitulated and then we ended up second. But it was like you know points of Leicester when if we had beaten Man United we could have you know been two points behind Leicester and then the Rochers fell after that. So if if you look at it back from. from or you look at the nine side. I mean, we ended up beating Leicester at home and away. The only team to do it that season. Home and away, you beat the champions. But because of your inconsistencies, like, I mean, that season you can go, 
go back and look at games. We threw to Norwich 1-1. We lost to West Brom 2-1. It was, it's just games that, I mean, we threw it home, like the Sunderlands and all those things. It's just, I don't know, Arsenal just don't seem to know how to take advantage of slip-ups of other teams because we'll go slip-up with them. So I'll end the podcast here. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this evening's game. You know, I hope it's a positive result for us. Um, Aiden, I haven't discussed this with you. I might as well discuss it now with you while we're online. Um, I was thinking of, look, since we have the game tonight, we have the game on uh, Sunday. If we somehow, if, if also with, according to your schedule, if we do a podcast maybe on the Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. You know, on Tuesday next, next week. Yeah, that, that should be fine. Okay, then you take care. Okay. Bye, okay. guys. Bye. Come yeah, on. Bye. Yeah.